Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Mitchell Khan, Mescal, Veterinary School, and so much more with today's guest, the amazing Mescalero of Mitchell Khan, Mr. Emilio Vieira. This is my first bilingual interview to release you guys, and I had some help with my friend Andres in the translation. I want to make both versions available, but hopefully this is the first of many conversations with some of the just incredible talents and palates of Mexico that bring us some of the greatest mezcal and agave spirits we've ever tasted. It's a lovely chat with Emilio. I'm going to be completely honest in saying I don't speak Spanish fluently, so I lost a lot of the really integral meaning and some of these emotional subtexts that were there when we first chat. But upon translating, it was really wonderful to get to talk to him, and it was a great moment to see this man come back to the States, capture audiences, and share some amazing Mescal via the brilliant David Suro. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Emilio Vieira. So, I was reading just today in your biography, Emilio, that upon returning back to the United States from where you once were born, it's completely different now in Houston. How is it different now from when you were a kid? It's been different in terms of my perspective of returning to Houston. Really, when I left Houston, I left very young, about two and a half years old. And afterwards, I, I had the idea to come back to the U.S. to work. And now I have the intention to promote our brand of mezcal. So what kinds of things, I've read about some Taekwondo for Emilio, what other kinds of things was he getting into when he was a kid? Well, when I was in, in Mexico, other than studying, I practiced Taekwondo. I really loved going to the countryside with my grandparents, and there I helped with, with all the work on my vacations there, and helping my father with the production of Mezcal. And I ended my taekwondo as a black belt, and I really loved it. When he was in these countrysides, did he, at an early age, feel a connection to the nature, a connection to those plants? Yes, because in reality, the agave plant is a plant that around them, there's so many things. There's trees. There's rivers, sol, there's the sun, animales, there's animals, the farmers working around them. In reality, it's an ecosystem. And the way that the farmers in those years 
trabajaba la, la tierra. Work the land. Y mis abuelos siempre veían My cómo él no afectaba el campo para que el campo tried to work how eh, to not not siguiera produciendo negativamente So it, it begs the question then with such a focus in agriculture, what drove him to go to the university and what did he study there? En la universidad, yo in este, university, estudié para I studied to become eh, a veterinarian, very los, focused eh, in working animales. with animals. And, and there I studied in the University of Michoacán, San Nicolás, near Morelia. And I liked a lot working in the countryside, so I preferred to work with animals because in reality the the production of gave and mezcal in those years it was very limited due to the regulations and the gnome of origin. Uh, yeah, well, they're very complicated here, incredibly. <laughs> was there any point in which you were not going to enter into the family business, so to speak? If Was there another kind of industry or another career that he might have went into? Um, the, in, Después de que well, como after I was done with uh, school to become a veterinarian, uh, eh, eh, fue that was when there was a short period of time that I came to Houston to work. I worked in making cement pipes. And it was in this time that was it was really important that I needed to return to Mexico. Pero lo que But más creí que what I thought was more interesting was to return back to work with Mezcal. And so it was there that I left the, my, my work as a veterinarian and returned to the U.S. and worked solely with Mezcal in 2005. At what point did he realize he wanted to continue the tradition of his family? Making mezcal. Yo porque, mm, I think that in the moment familia, that I was en, este, away from my family here in the U.S., familia, when I was alone eh, and away from my family muy, muy fuerte, and working really hard, decidí, it was eh, in that moment that I decided eh, a, to return a, a back to porque, Mexico to produce mezcal because pues, mi familia, eh, as well I, I realized that único, my family since I'm an only child my family needed my help and needed me there to help them with the tradition. Interesting. Did he ever feel obligated to carry on the family tradition or was something he really felt was his calling? Digamos que el, well, let's el say aquí, that me, me being here helped me to really think about what I wanted de mi, de and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life because antes de esto, before eh, this, escuela, after I finished school, no I had about two or three years where Entonces, I didn't have a direction of where to go. So it helped me to be alone here to really think about my decision of the future. Right. So it's kind of one of those situations and where family really takes you where you need to go. So the mezcal piece, was that something that growing up the family often drank? Is it something that was a part of his childhood? Um, sí, bueno, eh, well, mi, yes, eh, 
mi familia, mi papá. Well, my family, este, my, mi my abuelo, father, my grandfather, my grandmother. Mezcal, they made and sold mezcal, mí, but, era una muy cultural, but it wasn't very eh, cultural. No, no era tan, it wasn't tan very important era because difícil, it was very hard to eh, actually sell años. it in those years. Entonces, eh, lo todos los años, so pero they made it every year. Solamente but en una, un it was a very short period of time because it was very difficult to sell mezcal. Era muy mezcal it was very difficult to sell mezcal because años, the people in those um, times, eh, la gente que vivía en la ciudad, the people that lived in the city, they felt that that drink was of, of low quality. Que era una bebida que solamente and la tomaban los really vecinos. only the peasant eh, farmers drank it and a small sector y, of, of sheep pues, farmers era una, una bebida muy and it was a, a very disparaged drink la tomaban, and eh, los hombres really campo, only the men in the field would drink otro, them eh, señores, and maybe older gentlemen that would drink it en alguna at, vez en su vida. Entonces, drank it at some point in their lives but it was a very small group that drank them so with what is kind of this resurgence in agave spirits, or rather an increased interest, how do you f think people feel about mezcal now? I think that people, and really in a, a niche of the market, that they got the chance to possibly learn about tequila and, and mezcal from Oaxaca and their looking to explore different mezcals and different methods of making mezcals. So I think that niche has been growing. And it's a niche that's very... That's, that's being explored. But that at the same time that want to learn about good products and, and quality of mezcal. And a, a niche of the market that are exploring different types of agave and different ways to make mezcal. So it's much, we're much more open now than we ever have been. It's growing. Um, these people, this community, it's growing. But I think there's still a lot left to, to understand from the side of the producers on how to create a mezcal that's traditional and there's still a lot more to work with to be able to transmit that to people who are interested. So from what I understand, I've not been to Michoacan yet. Of course, Oaxaca is quite safe, quite touristy, right? What is a day in the life of Michoacan? What is it like to live there? How does it feel? Well, it's a, it's a fabulous state. It has a rich cultural history that's very important. Possibly one of the most important of the country. It's a state that has had some insecure times, but in reality, it's, it's been advancing and more and more it's becoming more secure. And fortunately, the area that we're in, it's close to Morelia. It's, it's at a good level of security. And 
And really, it's, it's maravilloso. Creo que it's, it's hay, hay mucho todavía que there's que still en, a lot to know and understand of mezcal in our state and and of the cultural richness. Is it safer as a whole now, the state, than it was, let's say, a year ago? Desde hace um, alrededor well, de tres años, around es más seguro. Three years ago, comparatively, it's it's much safer. There still are regions that aren't as secure, especially in the southern region. The central area and towards the west is much more secure. So I think not not the whole state. I don't think is 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 having security así, problems, but I think the areas that were more insecure are now much better. What drove you to make Michoacán official, make it recognized as a mezcal-producing state? Mezcal from Michoacán was recognized officially on the 24th of November of 2012. It was recognized as an official region of Mezcal. It was, it was a process that took seven years. And it was a very complicated process to obtain that. There was a, a real strong pressure from a lot of producers from Oaxaca that didn't want any more regions to enter anymore, no municipals coming into that. And so, even though it was proven that there was a history of 400 years of a production, that's how it came to be. In what ways does it embody traditional mezcal? Uh, the three regions that produce mezcal, the western region of the state, near Jalisco, they distill in clay pots and that utilize only the ceniso agave. The other region is the central region. It's the most productive Principally cupreto, that's a type that's Filipino. And the third region, it's a region that utilizes more the agave niquilio solato that only uses that type of agave. So it's three types of regions that use different agaves. Near the Queréndaro municipal, que utilizan solamente el maguey alto. They utilize maguey alto. The central region and the eastern region, they use the Filipino distillation. And the western region uses the clay pots. The same kinds of things we've seen in Oaxaca, just because that's kind of the template for it. So you get some copper distillation, you get some clay distillation. We, you know, David, and we'll talk about how Emilio and David met here in a second, but... There's the Cenizo, there's the Cupiata, there's the Alto, and then the Pachuga. So you have these four really, really nice but different flavors. So what do you like flavor-wise? What do you like to sparkle into your mezcal? I think that my favorite mezcal or some of my favorite, depending on the occasion, 
I think each each flavor and expression and is different. We have our standards over different types of flavors. But I think each one of them is is different. And I find that although I like one, but it, it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that the one that I like is the one that the consumer will like. And there's different flavors and smells that they like. And finally, the mezcal is about diversity. And we need to make it this way. And knowing and, and understanding our, our biological, cultural history, that's what we need to understand. I think our mezcal, we like it because it's, it's from our region. It's a mezcal that's made in, in a high altitude in the mountains, where the majority of the times it's... It's a mezcal that has a flavor that has more of a herbal flavor. A kind of a smell of, of wet dirt, kind of fresh from the mountains. And that is, that is the profile of our mezcal. And that's why we like it, because that's what we have around our mezcal. And that's the final result of our mezcal. It's... That's our profile of our mezcal. It's that line of flavors. So these bottles that have recently come into the States, Care of Siembra Spirits, how did you meet David Cero? It was happenstance. Well, really what united us was the passion for the agaves. The distilling of agaves. It was an occasion, a good friend of ours, Pedro Jimenez. He presented a documentary called Viva Mezcal here in the U.S. And he asked me for some tastings of mezcal just to pass it around to different bartenders here in the U.S. And a lot of them were asking, where can we find this mezcal? And in that moment, Pedro, when he returned, he was fascinated that people had loved it so much. All the bartenders that had tried it had loved it so much and that they all wanted to have the mezcal in the United States. Well, knowing Pedro, and I already knew David through the Norma 86, through different bars that we had, Pedro felt that meeting with David would be the perfect combination to bring this mezcal to the United States. And so that's where I met him to work on this project. It's done very well. It has a great reputation. Obviously, it's delicious. We're drinking the Alto, the Inakidans. I was saying that wrong until David corrected me one afternoon. Uh, but it's really lovely, and I've seen you touring around the States. Do you like being in the spotlight? Do you like the audiences? Do you like the questions? Mm. Uh, 
Pues sí, me, well, me yes. gusta interactuar con la I gente like interacting que, with, que está probando with everyone nuestro, nuestro mezcal, who's que está cerca de trying producto, our mezcal, who's close um, to our product. Saber ellos qué, qué opinan, poder to know what they um, think, what their opinions are, and be able to answer questions that they have. David, ¿no? poder, eh, and to know and, eh, educar, que and to educate, which I think is the only way to make things right and to educate how we do things and the way we do things and make our products with the idea to stay with the consumer and their favorite product. I think it's to make it and see people enjoy it. Not a lot of people get that connected to the public. Well, we need to take advantage that we're a we're a brand that really don't produce a lot and take advantage of interacting with our consumers more. We really need to take advantage of that. Interact with our consumers because those are the people that look for these products and it's a small category. We're a small area and, and those of us that make the product, we need to take advantage of interacting with those consumers. Party. Fiesta. Multi. Muscularza. So I know you guys are heading to La Condesa here in a second, going to keep spreading the word about Siembra Metal and the Don Mateo, the wonderful mascots, four in total now. And I imagine there will be more, hopefully, coming through. I'll talk, we'll have to talk to David about that. But it's a great piece of education. But the thing for me, I'm always curious, and I ask this of every guest, if Emilio, as a mescalero, he could enjoy a drink, a mezcal, anywhere in the world, doesn't matter, and have a conversation with one person who is either living or deceased, who would Emilio like to drink mezcal with and have that conversation with? Um, with my grandfather Fidel. I would love it. I didn't know him. and To know a lot more would be great. What's a lovely way to bring the present with the past? It's very lovely. Yes, the perspective of genial. the past yeah. with the present and the future would be great. Well, I really appreciate, well, one, that I get to sip on this Alto with Emilio. Very, very delicious, and I think it does take me to the place that we're talking about in Michoacan, the place that's high, that's bright, that has a lot of moisture. I get that. It just kind of feels green to me. Yes, very humid. It's a high mountain that has a lot of humidity. It was very fresh. I love it more than Morelia. And well, we have water, water that comes out and that, that flows is very close to where we make the mezcal. Yeah, you can taste that. That's where it takes me to. I I would love to spend some time in Michoacan to distill and talk and smell. And it's been just a pleasure getting to chat with you, Emilio. Have great luck on the road. And I hope people really, really ask some great questions this, this afternoon for you. No, thank you. On the contrary, Mike, thank you. I see, I see you soon. In Very soon. Now that I know that you're there and you like Taekwondo, I'm going to go visit you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Well, there we have it, the master mescalero himself, Mr. Emilio Vieira. 
we can taste his Sinizo, his Cupriata, his Inakidans, and his Petruga via Sambra Spirits. David Suro so kindly introduced us and brought him into town to speak to the bartending community here. And it was great getting to sit down and chat with Emilio about his journey, his return to tradition, in a sense. He carries the torch after so many generations, and it's amazing to be able to taste that mezcal with Emilio, his creation, his representation, his embodiment of the terroir and the general beauty of Michoacan. I hope the translation piece worked okay. I really want to dive more into the mezcal culture. I want to talk to more of the creators, more of those amazing minds in Oaxaca and Michoacan and Puebla and Durango, many other states of Mexico. And this is the first of many. So if you have suggestions, if you have things you would like me to cover, this is the first time that I really want to make that an open invitation. Please let me know. It was great getting to chat. Thank you, Andres, for the translation. Thank you, David Suro. And thank you so much for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you're thinking to yourself, you know, Wentworth is a better women's prison drama than Orange is the New Black. Or if you really can't wait to see Dunkirk in 70mm at the Alamo Drafthouse Ritz location, Christopher Nolan bringing it yet again. Please keep dancing.